Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer, with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer with Joe Patrice and Ellie Mistal. I'm Joe Patrice, and with me, as always, is actually not Ellie. Uh, Ellie had to run out earlier today, so he's not going to make it to this particular podcast, but we've decided to soldier on. Uh, You're not going to have the dulcet tones of Mr. Mistal, but I will try to make up the difference. And it's too bad, too, because as loyal listeners of the show know, he often talks about how he's you know, what he is and is not wearing at any given time. And it's too bad because we're actually going to talk about clothing today on this this particular episode. So I was interested to hear his hot takes on fashion. Well, I guess we'll have to bring him back in and ask at another time how he felt about this episode. So also without him, I guess we don't have to hear his usual grinding of the gears. So I, I get an opportunity to explain something that's annoying me, uh, which is rare. So... I think the biggest thing annoying me that's in the news right now and, you know, will be in the news for the next few months and, oh my God, inter- interminably almost a year now, it's going to be the consistent use of the word debate for the horrible shows uh, that we see on Fox and CNN over the course of the next few months. As somebody who does the debate thing on a quasi-professional basis, it consistently annoys me when what theoretically by definition should be a rigorous testing of the truth of propositions between multiple sides that seek out both common ground and areas of contention is instead of being applied to that it's applied to a forum where a bunch of people give parallel speeches or worse yet if you look at that GOP debate that we just had where it's really just an opportunity for anchors to ask pointed specific questions of one candidate and then never hear what anyone else thinks about them. It's it's one of those things that just kind of bugs you when you do this all the time because you you hear something that you know being kind of sullied by everyone in the media and popular culture because they don't they don't hear that word as anything but the horrible viewpoint shows that are on these TVs, the kind of sideshow effect. So, that's that's kind of what's been grinding my gears. On that note, by the way, if anybody has an opportunity to see, I saw this uh, documentary the other day about uh, called Best of Enemies about William F. Buckley and Gore Vidal having debates. And it's very interesting because it kind of gets to the way in which American culture got to the idea that what a debate was was two people yelling at each other. Uh, even if those debates weren't as bad as watching Crossfire today, it, it really kind of sets up that that's where... That's where the decline of the political discourse began. It's interesting. Highly recommend. So there we go. That's what you get when you don't get Ellie. So there's less, less boob jokes and more discussion of documentaries. So, sorry for everybody bringing everybody down to that level. Uh, but we do have a guest, so we'll move on to that because that's a little more interesting than just hearing me talk. Our guest this week is Kat Griffin, who is from Corporate. If anybody knows that website, if you don't, it, well, if you don't, it's great no matter who you are, but it's particularly great if you're a woman who has to work in a professional setting. Kat, how are you? I'm good. How are you? 
Well, I took a stab at describing the site, which I think is generally fairly fair, but how would you describe corporate? The tagline we've had for a long time is fashion and lifestyle for overachieving chicks. And by that, I mean lawyers, doctors, bankers, MBAs, consultants, um, particularly women who have to work in conservative offices. I try to advise and help and shop for. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it really is. And well, we'll talk about that in a second. Let's let's start with kind of talking about how you got there. So you are a lawyer because you're on thinking like a lawyer. So talk a little bit about what took you from the the law degree to being blogger extraordinaire. I was a six-year associate, um, litigation, big law, uh, at Cahill, Gordon, and Rindell. And um, in my sixth year, I was doing a, uh, a trial with Floyd Abrams, actually, um, in Philadelphia. And we were we had local co-counsel who we were at trial with. Um, and in at, at Cahill, trials were very rare. So especially having co-counsel and working this closely with them and so forth. But so we were living in Philadelphia and I was having all these sort of inane conversations that you have in the middle of the night. And with one of the co-counsel, she was a, a woman. And so we started talking about what you wear under blazers. And it was the kind of thing that we'd talked about. I'd talked about with my friends at Cahill and from law school and stuff, but I just sort of thought it was something unique to that, to Cahill or my friends or something like that. And so to be having this conversation about what do you wear under blazers and where do you find that just struck me as why is no one telling me this? You know, like why is there no one else telling, talking about this stuff? Um, and at the same time I was being, I was reading magazines, um, from, from lucky and everyone else telling me to, to wear like gladiator sandals to interviews. (laughs) So, um, which is definitely not something that you could do in a big law, environment. Um, and so I started the blog after, um, trial ended and stuff. And I sort of had a, had some, some headspace to think about it. And so I started it anonymously as a side gig, still working in at Cahill and, um, sort of slowly it became my, my main gig. Um, and it's been my, my full-time job since 2011. Yeah. I thought it, it kind of filled a void that was created by the business casual mandate that hit law firms. Like there, there used to be a everyone wear business attire and that, I mean, it's not perfectly defined what that is, but it's a lot easier to define than business casual, which for men it's, I can, I can wear a blue or white button down shirt and khakis. And I know that's what my uniform is, but for women, it was a lot, a lot more uh, fluid what the definition of that really was. Yeah, no, you know what I mean? I think uh, it's difficult also for women that fashion has been moving so quickly these days because fast fashion and, and you know, it, it trousers, I think, to a certain generation is, you know, you have sort of a fluid drapey pant or, you know, a pencil skirt and that's what looks professional. And to, you know, generations just, people just a few years younger, no, no, skinny pants, are the way to, to wear, you know, ankle, ankle length skinny pants are totally work appropriate and professional. And so there's this gulf between people just a few years older and younger that didn't used to, maybe it always existed, but it, it doesn't necessarily, yeah. you know, it, it's worse these days. That's interesting. So are you finding that kind of not to harp on, I'm not going to fall into like the New York Times magazine, uh, millennials, grr, but you are finding that there's, 
there's something different about the younger generation as far as their opinions here. I do think that they've been raised in a a, a culture where I, I think just fashion moves so much more quickly than, you know, so I think they're more eager to hop on trends and everything else. Whereas I think that for a lot of women, my, my generation, I'm 30, Lord, I'm, let's say I'm in my Your 30s. generation X. Right. And uh, I'm Generation X, yeah. And so, um, although I was sort of actually always on the cusp, I was born '77, so, so not quite Generation X either. But I think that they they definitely and they not only do have they been raised in an environment where fashion moves faster and they're more willing to take risks, they're also more inclined to think that they're right and they're allowed to be right. And how dare you tell them? You know, and again, I don't want to fall into the trap of, you know, get off, get off my lawn, you crazy millennials. But yeah, um, yeah. but it's certain, you know, I just read a, a an opinion piece a week ago from an intern talking about how it was, you know, it was really heartbreaking that women had to spend so much more time in the morning getting dressed than men. And she should be, I don't know, you know, prized for her thoughts and it's just sort of like you're you're the intern kid, like, you know. No one cares. Yeah, no, like, it, it is interesting. And I have also, and you've mentioned interns, which I know that's not necessarily what we were talking about. But I, all, I do wonder when it comes to millennials in particular, whether or not there's some level to which the rise of the intern culture has moved the ball on expectations a little too. I mean, if, if you're not getting paid to do your job, how much do you really care about the decorum? You know, like that's true. Although, you know, I mean, as the Olsons are finding out, you you can't get anything for free these days. Uh, Well, (laughs) I don't know. The decisions have been favoring the position that they're going to take. So who knows? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So from my perspective, I, I don't have to wear business casual anymore. But I always wondered if there was something from the men's perspective, was there ever anything about the men's business casual outfit that you were like, okay, everybody, you can try something a little bit different and still look good? <laughs> Did you ever have any opinions on the men's men's business casual outfit? Well, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I, I guess it's, I guess I'm a bit confused because to me, it's it, men have such an easy business casual outfit. It's, oh, yeah. You know, blue, blue button front shirt, unbutton one, one button at the top. Right. Possibly sleeves rolled up, possibly not. Your discretion there, guys. And, um, you know, flat front pants, unless you're 20 years older, in which case, pleated pants. Um, But, you know, and there were very small margins for error there, you know. Oh, no, you're wearing a green shirt instead of a blue one, you know. Oh, no, you've got two buttons undone. My God. Like, yeah, well, I mean, that was kind of my question. Like, were there specific things outside of the blue and white that you were think that you always thought, you know, professional law culture, you can get away with light green or you can get away with pink with a gray suit or something like anything where you thought that maybe it could push the bar further. Yeah, because a lot of what you deal with on the women's fashion side is kind of outside the, the box necessarily things that could look professional and help out. And I always wondered if you had opinions on the men's side. Not, you know, not not terribly. I mean, I, I think that They've they've had a good a good system working. So why you know why why do I must also admit I don't I don't shop so much on the men's side that I'm not seeing so many new trends where it's like oh guys you got to have the yeah. uh, you know 
<laughs> culottes for men. Here we go. You know, it's perfectly guess, acceptable. Yeah, I guess the the male millennial is not uh, is not having as many fast fashion moments. I suppose. No, I mean but, you've got the graphic tees and the hoodies and you know a different cut of denim and stuff, but that's not. Again, that's nothing. not necessarily something that even those guys would think, oh, yeah, let me wear that to my big law office or, you know, let me go to court in that. Yeah. We haven't so, seen that that rallying cry yet. <laughs> so what's the best thing you've seen this week for, uh, like, the best item you've seen this week? The best clothing item? Yeah, I know that you have a feature with, with your kind of best buy. Let's see. Um, there was a... I'm trying to think what I posted this week. Um, today's, you know, we've got some great shoes from, um, they're called Celine pumps from Ron White, I think. And they're lovely, I think. They're a nice, beautiful pump. Nice. Um, closed closed toe with a little bow. Very nice. Feminine, but professional. You're on the closed toe train? I, you know, I think for, for many offices, it's, it's, it's a cleaner look a lot of times. I, I, if you prefer an open-toed, peep-toe, you know, know your office, as I, I tell my ladies. Yeah, I, I know that over here at Above the Law, David has taken a, a stance on peep-toe shoes, so. <laughs> I, I always think of David, and he had a post years ago with um, yeah. <laughs> Preska, Judge Preska, wearing red peep-toe shoes, possibly even when he was still anonymous, that I remember. So, I don't know. That yeah. was amusing. All right. Well, let's, let's transition now to something that's been in the news that kind of relates directly to the field that you're, that you're working in. So, it's been all over the news that there was a report in, I think it was the Nature Climate Change magazine or something like that. It eventually got picked up by the New Yorker and New York Times and everything, talking about whether or not office temperature is sexist, specifically that they talk about the decision that was made way back in the 60s, apparently, by some organization that has a lot of letters in it that are like the experts on air conditioning. I think they're literally that, if you watched Community, the that side organization that were kind of a guild of air conditioner repair people. Anyway, they set a rule of how warm every office should be based on who worked there. And as anyone who's seen Mad Men would know, that was pretty much only men. So they set a temperature standard that has persisted to this day. And when women tend to complain about being cold in the office, this study suggested that it was the fault of everyone still following that old report that was based around a office full of men. So to that, I want to ask, like, let's break this down a little bit. So let's begin with, did you generally find yourself cold in the offices? Absolutely. Interesting. Okay. I was going to say, we've had actually probably two or three posts on staying warm in a freezing office that, you know, they were, they were like middle of the summer posts intended for AC. We've done, we've talked a lot about, you know, dressing for that difference between being comfortable outside and comfortable in your freezing office. Yeah, and that's actually, I mean, I'm going to take the, I, I generally on this show am the more feminist-y of the, of the group, but it, I've actually, when I heard this story, I kind of took, took it a different direction. I was, I feel as though this is a problem that I hear about in the summer more. I, I don't hear about it in the winter. It's more that summer attire means that 
women tend to be colder in the office, whereas men who still wear, as you put it, the long sleeve shirts, long pants, don't have that issue. And am I right? Well, I would disagree. I mean, I would say that regardless, and, and, and I will say that as someone who sat there in the summer regularly wearing pants and cashmere sweaters with socks on, you know, I, I used to even have gloves in my office for when I was just doing doc review because I put gloves on to do the tapping with the mouse. First of all, you just showed your age that you would have to physically handle anything with document review anymore as opposed to shipping it to a bunch of poor contract attorneys. Fair enough. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> the back in the good old days. But so, I mean, I, to me, it was always more the, the air conditioning was so aggressive. It was absolutely a, a matter of, you know, aggressive air conditioning. Yeah, I just I just thought that since I hear about it more in the summer where it's the that transition attire where you're wearing something that's lighter outside and then inside it's aggressively cold whereas men don't feel it as much. I was always I kind of took the story as well that's kind of a fault of a of a system that expects women's summer attire to not be, you know, not be the same as men wearing long sleeves and blazers and so on and so forth. Whereas we kind of, we kind of have to do that and women are kind of expected not to. And I was like, that, that's the fault of a lot of this, but maybe, maybe that's me being a little bit wrong there. I think women's summer attire is neither here nor there. Well, it's okay. Obviously it, it plays a part and women do bear more, more skin in the summer, you know, bare legs and, and sometimes bare arms and things like that. But I think that a lot of those women are still putting on cashmere winter sweaters yeah. and, you know, or, or wearing pants because they know they're freezing. And so their outfits aren't that different, but the AC is so blasting, blisteringly hot or blisteringly cold because of the, the heat outside that it's, you know, they have to sort of defend themselves against that AC. Yeah, I see. I always felt, I always felt that the revenge came at happy hour time. <laughs> that that we would they, there'd be a complaint all day, and then it would be happy hour, and every woman I worked with would be sitting comfortably in the in the outside bar drinking, and all of us would be sweating through the blazer and long sleeve shirt and wool slacks that we were wearing. And I was like, you know, the revenge is happening. Like it, we get ours on the on the flip side. <laughs> At happy hour, yeah, yeah. Well, there was uh, there was an article I read just yesterday that that posited and it didn't even it didn't even go through the whole thing but it posited whether or not this is ripe for a title 7 claim that it, things are too cold you know i mean it's what i'd be interested to know and i haven't i haven't seen the articles about it i haven't seen people going to their you know the powers that be that control the air conditioning in their law firms and their offices and and so forth and saying you know can we bump it up 2 degrees you guys and then everyone's saying, no, 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 we've got this great, you know, I, I haven't seen anyone, I, to me, it's a jumping off point for discussion. I don't think it's, I, I would certainly hope that every company is at this point saying, at, at least for energy savings, hey, can we turn it up a, a couple degrees, you know, from 69 to 72 or something just to, you know, and, and wait until people start complaining. Yeah, I also think there's, and I, I'm sure every firm is different, but from some of the firms I've worked in, I wonder if there's a kind of custody of the of control of the air conditioner issue because I'm not altogether sure my firm controlled the air in some of the big, big buildings I've been in. I, I kind of think that was controlled, 
by some master control. I mean, it's an interesting question because I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, trying to remember who controlled it at, at my old firm, and I'm not entirely sure I would have known who to go to. I think yeah. it may have been, at least in our building, I think it may have been um, like the partner on your – my law firm had several floors in a building down in the financial district, and it was, I, I think, the province of whichever partner had the corner office. Yeah. To uh, they were they were sort of in control of how hot and how cold that their little corner of the world was. So certainly in my last legal office, which is I was at a small boutique firm. There, it was definitely whoever had the corner office controlled it. He liked it very cold, which I generally do too. However, I absolutely had um, you know those little iron fair. Uh, what do you call them? They use them in skiing. You shake them up and they get warm. Oh, yeah. Those little packs, yeah. Yeah. Hand warmers or whatever. Yeah, hand warmers where it's like little iron, I don't know, whatever. I definitely kept a pair of those in the office that I did break into once in a while because it would get even cold. It would get even cold for me. But but at Cleary, I don't know as though anybody had control. I think the building said air conditioning's on, and that was just what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that may be for those huge buildings, you know? And that's I, my guess is that's why standards like this got made to kind of give cover to yeah property managers that this is the right answer. I don't know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What's the answer? Who knows? This is the yeah. answer. There you go. But it, it was a it was a fun set of articles, and like you said, it's been a jumping off point because I definitely saw a bunch of back and forth about it, some puff pieces written about it, followed by some virulent Twitter arguments where people said hands off my thermostat. <laughs> I don't know. It was rough. But in dealing with it, you generally are recommending the cashmere sweater as the right answer for dealing with the, the parka-like conditions, at least until we can get real change. I mean, I, I, think, I think it's obvious to me, make the women comfortable and save the, save the planet at the same time. So, you right. know, turn it up a couple degrees. But uh, well, failing that, I think, you know, a, a cashmere sweater and, a, you know, my old trip trick was always to get a, um, a wool wrap, a wool or cashmere wrap and then put it around my legs if I was wearing a skirt. Uh, and it's only saving the planet in the summer because in the winter, you uh, like there keeping it colder would be saving the energy. Well, we're not we're not complaining about it in the winter. Well, all right. I, I mean, I didn't think so, but you suggested that it might be that I might have been missing the winter arguments. Um, no, well, I mean, I'm saying that people were dressed very similarly to ah, what okay. they could be wearing in the winter got and it, in the summer. It. But in the summer, it was much more aggressively. Yeah, I, I mean, there's no argument about that. It is definitely aggressively cold in some of those buildings. I like that, but I understand. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah, circulation is a good thing. Um, it, you want to be able to feel your fingers and toes. See, part of it is if it's warm, and I had this sometimes... Those moments when it would still be kind of warm, like a September, like late September, early October, when for whatever reason it's still warm, but they kick on the heater because it's That's that time. miserable for everyone. Yeah, it's awful. But when it's w- too warm, I definitely could find myself getting a little sleepy while I'm trying to do legal work in the afternoons. Oh, absolutely. The, yeah. The cold is there to keep me on task. That okay? That is a powerful argument, but uh, but still, does it have to be? So- 
so cold. I, yeah. I do think there's there's a just a just just a couple degrees. That's that's the argument from the chick side. Nothing like the threat of hypothermia to keep you motivated to go over <laughs> some sort of a UCC. I I think that must be the the same argument they use with Alaskan huskies, right? Yeah, yeah, right. If it works for them, it works for them. Why not everyone? <laughs> I saw Balto or whatever. Like it, he, that, that dog managed to managed to get that medicine to those people. Let life lessons from Disney films, or at least animated films. I assume it was Disney. I don't know. So, all right. With that, I think we can we can wrap up. Having not really answered any of these questions as far as how how to uh, solve the crisis, but I think we've generally agreed that a couple degrees warmer is probably not the end of the world. And That's probably, all yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank Kat for being here. Her website again is Corporate. So hit up Corporate.com. Some good tips, life lessons, as well as some shopping suggestions. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, and our suit of the week, and the suit of the week. Yes. There you go. And then, meanwhile, you could also read Ellie at uh, ATL Redline. He also is at the Twitter handle at Ellie NYC. I'm at writing at Above the Law, so AboveTheLaw.com. I'm at Joseph Patrice is my Twitter handle. I think I'm pretty sure I have Joe Patrice, but I've forgotten the password, so at this point, I, I'm Joseph Patrice. So It's kind of annoying, though, because Twitter like charged those against you for a long time, so I was losing characters by my handle. Really oh, annoying. totally. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's why I wanted the other one back, but I racked my brain, couldn't figure it out. Well, whatever. So... That's that. If you're, thanks for listening. If you aren't already subscribed on iTunes, you absolutely should. You should also leave us a review at iTunes. Help us out there. You can listen to us on the Legal Talk Network, of course, as well. But it's, it's nice to get those updates through iTunes. So be sure to do that when you get a chance. And with that, I think we're done. So we'll talk to you all next time. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. 